Well, here we are again, guys, for another exciting episode of True Crime on Easy Street. We're 30 minutes later than normal tonight. We will get into that in a moment. No, we won't. Or we will not. <laughs> um, welcome, everybody. My name is Scott Wright. I am a mediocre journalist. I'm Kelly Turner. I'm not a doctor. I'm Katie Givens. I'm not a lawyer. So uh, Katie and I are just back from South Beach, Miami, Florida. Not together, she and I. Her husband knew about this whole trip. He was on it as well. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, some other co-workers of ours from Easy Street attended uh, uh, the weekend's events. The highlight of which, for me, was seeing John Mulaney, my favorite stand-up comedian, in concert. Bucket list. Checked off. Can't I still can't believe that I got to see him live with my eyeballs. It was amazing. And did you love it so much? I loved it so much that I texted you and said, holy cow, I love this that much. <laughs> yeah, yes, it, it was a great yes, night. Uh, the, the two opening acts were amazing. There were 7,000 people in the, uh, the venue, Katie. I looked this up just a second ago. It's called the Hard Rock Live at the Seminole Casino in Hollywood. And it holds about 7,000 people. And it turns out that I know this very succinctly because... 7,000 people laughing as hard as they possibly can sounds exactly like a jet engine, and that's how we got there. <laughs> and it was, it was one of the highlights of my life. It was, that's awesome. I'm going to cry if we keep talking about it. Let's move on. Don't tear up tonight, It was Scott. unbelievable. So we did that this weekend, and now we're back uh, more tan than you are, if you don't mind me saying so. Uh, he's talking about me, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry. He's, he's pointing uh, at me, Kelly. Yes. That I am not as tan as he and Katie to further rub in the fact that... We just got back from the beach and you did not? Exactly. But aren't you going in a couple of weeks, probably? I mean, no. uh, Memorial Day is coming up. No, I'm not going. Oh. That's okay. Well... Crickets. I'm not bitter, bitter or anything. Just, whatever. Remi- just another reminder of why I'm so glad that I only see you on Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm glad you guys had a great time. You guys do look really, really tan. Well, you have like you. this golden bronze look. Yeah, well, you don't want to see the red in this area around my stomach the, <laughs> where I forgot to spray the 30 sunblock. So. Oh, yeah. I was about to say, I don't know about that. Scott Wright walked around the beach with a button-up shirt on. I have pictures to prove it. <laughs> I, listen, I had it rolled up with the sleeves. I was trying to look cool. It was my beach outfit. Did you have your cigarettes rolled up in the sleeve? Damn it. No, that's the one thing I forgot, Jim Croce, my bad. Yeah, then you were not cool. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't condone smoking. Well, I've never been cool, so that's uh, your two for two on that one. All right, so let's get to what we're here for today. We've uh, giggled and dickered around for 10 minutes. Uh, People want to hear the podcast, not what we did last weekend uh, on vacation. What in the world does that mean? What do you mean? What is dickered around? Not what you think it means, apparently, based on the look on your face, Kelly <laughs> what Turner. Did you just say? Clean out your mind, woman. I'm not. I've, uh, I've, I've never heard that word. Dickered? N- never. Never. Ask your husband about it. He I feel it like means. I should be British. Is it British? I don't know. Maybe. No, that's, <laughs> no, that's, that's shepherd's pie. You're thinking okay, about something gotcha, completely gotcha. different. All right, all right, all right. So got it. I'll shut up. Yeah. No, it's fine. Keep going. So we're going to do the, the Murdoch part three of four tonight. Yes, and, uh, we are. Kelly is in the big chair. She's going to tell us about really the thing that was the, would it be fair to say this was the first domino that fell in yes. what became the unraveling of the yes. Murdoch family? Yes, this that is very fair to say. Lead on. This is the incident that's going to put them on the map, mm-hmm. so to speak, as far as uh, getting some interest from local investigators, local newspapers, local, you know, and then, and then they're, as this continues to unfold, 
it, they're going to become widely known not in a good way. Nationally, yeah. yes, yes. They're going to the- become infamous based mm. on what's going to happen tonight. We've already talked about the Stephen Smith case. We've talked about Gloria Satterfield. Mm-hmm. And today, we're going to talk about the Mallory Beach incident. Now, Mallory Beach is a person. I said that almost like it was yeah, a beach. Yeah, yeah, right. But that's her last name. Well, if you are new, that might sound, mm-hmm. yeah. So this uh, boat crash is what... Uh, is going to sort of, like you said, this is the domino, the first one that fell. Yeah. And then it's going to start bringing in all of this. And the things that we've talked about so far, and, and Kelly chose to approach this from a completely different direction. And I love the way that you chose to do this because instead of beginning with the first domino, we began, uh, we did the timeline. We did a timeline. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think this is unique in the way that we've done it. Yes. And, uh, in most podcasts that you listen to about the Murdochs, they're going to start with Mallory Beach. Mm-hmm. So here we are, Murdoch May episode. Uh, is this episode twenty of our season? Mm-hmm. Oh, season I think so. two, mm-hmm. episode twenty. I think so. But it's the third episode, part three of the Murdoch murders. So here we go. Um, if you have not listened to season two, episodes eighteen and nineteen, you need to pause this episode here and go back and listen. And then we'll we'll be here when we'll you get ready. We'll be right here when mm-hmm. you get back. Because especially in episode eighteen in the Stephen Smith episode, we give a nice background of the Murdoch family. So at least go back and, and get that part um, to give you an understanding of how the Murdochs came into power in South Carolina and, and why people are afraid of them in the Low Country. Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair mm-hmm. brief description. All right, so now here we go. We are in the low country, as as I said, of South Carolina. On February the 23rd, 2019, at 6.36 p.m., Paul Murdoch took his family's boat, which is a 17-foot Sea Hunt Center console powerboat, out for a night of partying with friends on the Beaufort River. And- so uh, for those of us who are from a lake place, water place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a 17 I was foot say that. boat is not a very it's a small large boat. boat. Yeah. Not a lot of seating. Uh especially, and especially for six people. I mean, mm-hmm. that's designed for fishing. Mm-hmm. You know, we we live on the lake here in Weiss Lake in northeast Alabama. So a lot of us are used to the lake life, as it were. Yes. Uh but most of us here have we have pontoon boats and it's just a it's a big couch with a steering wheel in the middle. Mm-hmm. I think your standard pontoon boat's going to run you anywhere from 20 to 24 yeah. feet. Yeah, and seating for 10 or 12. So very comfortable for this sort of uh, excursion, but this little boat that they chose to use, not so much. No, and the fact that it is a center console as well, there's even less seats because as you said, mm-hmm. it's, it's more for fishing. Yeah. Right? But this is a, this is the Murdoch family boat and Paul Murdoch, who is the youngest son of Alec and Maggie Murdoch is 19 years old at the time. And he's going to take this boat out and for a night of partying with his friends. And they're, um, they're in Beaufort County on the Beaufort river there. They, uh, there are three couples that are on board of this boat, uh, Paul and his girlfriend, Morgan Doughty, Miley Altman, and her boyfriend, Connor Cook, and Connor's cousin, Anthony Cook, and his girlfriend, Mallory Beach. So these are the three. Um, they, I, 
I would say teenagers, they're all under 21. Paul is 19. I think the, the oldest one on the boat uh, might be Anthony, who's age 20. Uh, but don't quote me on that, but yeah. I believe he is but, the I oldest. mean, six college kids. Uh, yeah, he's the oldest. Yeah. And six. they're they're all under age to drink. But finally trusted with the family boat to go out and enjoy themselves on oh, their no, own. He, he's been, Paul has been using this boat okay. for a long time. Gotcha. They, they have pretty much let Paul do whatever Paul wants to do. Okay. Um, so, as I said, the six passengers were all underage. Paul um, is going to use his brother Buster's ID to buy alcohol at a local gas station at 5.30 the night before it began. And there's footage at the gas station that you can see this. And you can see um, you can see him at the counter when he buys the alcohol. And you can see him walk out. And you see the vehicle with the boat attached. And you see him hold up his cases of beer like... In a celebratory look fashion, yeah, look what I've yeah. got. Look what I bought. You yeah. know, look, everybody here, we've been 19 before... You know, we can relate to this. Certainly. Um, certainly nothing too nefarious about that, other than the fact that he just broke the law. Yeah. I can promise you that no gas station attendant ever served me alcohol underage. <laughs> <laughs> but to my point, they shouldn't have served Paul either because he no. doesn't look very old. And he doesn't, I mean, he's Buster's brother, but he's a good bit shorter he's and small. a lot thinner than Buster. But that didn't and keep him. And he's three years younger. But they didn't keep him from using his older brothers. No, but they they took the ID. They looked at it. They sold him the alcohol. And as I understand, I heard one report say that a couple of other members of the group had used fake IDs as well and, and purchased some alcohol too. But we're just focusing on Paul, and that is because ultimately this is the Murdoch family boat, mm-hmm. and Paul's the one that's going to take it out. Sure. So. He drove the boat from what locals call Murdoch Island, which is one of their, they have a home there on this, in this little private area. So they, they leave from Murdoch Island and they go to a second location to an oyster roast or an oyster bake on Pocky Island. Uh, I may be saying that wrong as the locals say it. So if I, I if I am, I apologize. That's um, going to get us a three-star review I if think you said it wrong. I think it's Pocky Island. And the GPS data recovered from the boat confirms that they docked about 8 p.m. and they stayed at the party until around midnight. Now, during this party there, there are a lot of adults at the party too. In fact, mm-hmm. uncle, Paul's uncle, um, Randy Murdoch Randy. is there as well. And I'm not sure if his other uncle was there, but I know for a fact, Randy Murdoch admitted to being at the the party. So there were adults and there were college age kids there. It's a, it's an oyster bay, you know, um, we're not so unfamiliar with parties like that on the lake. We're here. not, it's, it and, wouldn't be oysters here, but it would be, no, we uh, would do be a, crappie or, or bass we would do or a catfish. fish fry or we would yeah. do a, a low country boil right. or something like that that we would do here. And you have people from of all ages at the lake lot and they're, you know, enjoying the the food um but as the party continues what the kids are doing is they're going um they're leaving the party they're going to the boat where they're getting their drinks from their cooler and they're they're drinking it probably putting it in a solo cup or drinking it there on the boat and coming back so they get they get drunk at the party or paul starts to 
for sure. Now, when they leave the party at midnight, Paul and Connor Cook want to go into town and actually go to a bar and get some shots. And that's something you can do from the boat, I found out today. Yes, you can take the boat so they they can get out onto the water and they can actually go into... Um, they can drive through the body of water there and go mm-hmm. dock it and go and you're right there. Short in the walk town. and you're at, I forgot the name of the place. The name of the bar is Luther's Rare and Well Done. Yeah. And there's surveillance video from the bar and from the dock where they are and you can see them coming off of the boat. You can see them, you know, coming back onto the boat. Um, but, but their footage there does confirm that they are there at Luther's Um Paul and Connor get in with fake IDs. They ask if they can bring their friends. And they say, no, 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 they're not 21, you know. And the bouncer did submit a written statement saying that he did look at the IDs and it said 21. And so they were allowed in. So because the friends can't join them, they do each do two shots each uh, very quickly. Yeah, that doesn't take long. No. If you've never done a shot before, uh, as long as you can keep it down, it doesn't take long. And so it doesn't for them as well. And so they rejoin their friends. That they, The rest of the members of the boat kind of went to a nearby park and just kind of hung out there in town. And then they rejoin their friends about 1.15. And you can see the camera footage on the dock captured of the six friends as they're walking down the dock and they're boarding the boat. And you see, um, you, you see that Paul is kind of... In my opinion, looking at the footage, it looks like he's staggering. I would say he is the drunkest of the six. Yes, because the rest of them can at least walk straight to get onto the boat, and he's he's kind of swaying, yeah, taking a few extra steps. Well, and they're all speaking to each other and laughing and having a good mm-hmm. time, and he just seems like he is totally concentrated on getting back to the boat. Mm-hmm. Like, it's taking all of the concentration that he has left to do that. Yes. So they get back on the boat, and... This is where it just really goes south. This footage of Mallory Beach walking along that dock and getting back onto the boat is the last time we see her alive. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of goes downhill from from there. They end up crashing into a bridge just shortly after 2:20 a.m. Yeah, it's called a it's called a dolphin. It's like three uh, uh, power poles that are sunk in the water. There's eight or ten feet exposed, and they're all leaned together to just to remind you, hey, don't drive here. This is mm-hmm. there's a bridge right behind you. Mm-hmm. Go to the left of this and don't hit it. They or call to the it right. like a pylon. Yeah, and um, so it's shortly after two twenty. So from one fifteen when they get back on the boat to two twenty, we have to um to to understand what happened we have to rely on the the testimony the interviews from the individuals on the boat we have to rely on things that are going to come up in court hearings that we will address all of this so i'm saying all this not to bait you and say oh we'll, we're gonna get to that i'm saying all this to say the following information comes from these interviews and these what what's the word i'm trying to say depositions Katie? depositions, yep, depositions. Yeah. thank you thank you um so this is where we get this information. So according to those on the boat, after they do- after they get onto the boat from this dock about 1.15 and get out into the water, this is when things really 
goes south. Paul is very, very drunk, according to the passengers. He's driving. At one point, he's just doing donuts in the boat, just just around. And one thing that I have not told you, it's getting, uh, it's it's obviously dark at 1.15 a.m., but it's also very foggy okay. at night. And this boat does not have a light on it. Oh, wow. Well, there are no lights on the boat. There are no they, running lights. They don't lights. work. If, I mean, I, I assume it was bought from the dealership with lights, but they're not working. And, and they are using a flashlight to light their way. Very dangerous. As they drive through the dark fog. Mm-hmm. And so... The reason that Paul starts doing donuts and he starts getting, you know, agitated is because, according to the passengers on the boat, Anthony Cook and Connor Cook both offer to drive because Paul is wasted. Not doing it well. No. And, and so Anthony offers several times, hey, dude, will you let me drive? You know, you're it was scaring Mallory. Mallory was mm-hmm. um, Anthony's girlfriend. She was terrified. They were... Um, you know, sitting on the boat. She was sitting in his lap. He was speeding up very fast and then he would let go. You know, if you, if you know how to operate a boat, the gas is a handle mm-hmm. and you, you push it forward to go. But when you let it off, I mean, it it slows down. Yeah, it slowly goes back to idle speed. But it's very hard to steer at that point. That's true. It's easier to steer when you're kind of going, you know. When the throttle is engaged. Yes, yes. And so he's just stopping. And, and so the his girlfriend is towards the front of the boat. And she's, you know, telling him, why don't you let someone else drive? And so he then lets go of the the throttle and he runs up to the front of the boat and he starts yelling and cussing at her and she tries to push him away and he hits her Mm -hmm. and then he spits on her and calls her all kinds of names so he's belligerent at this point and uh when he is stepping away from the from the wheel and stops operating the boat you know to go do this or to to go do something else or yell at somebody else Connor will then steady the boat. He will grab the wheel and he will try to steady it from time to time. But then Paul goes back and he starts again. And so they're driving um, near an area uh, called Archer's Creek. And there is the bridge at Archer's Creek. And that's how they refer to it, the bridge. It is the only bridge on Archer's Creek, which is the way... Um, when you leave the middle of town by water, you use Archer's Creek to get back to where the Murdochs have their private home on Murdoch Island. Mm-hmm. So you Which go is back. where they were going to spend the night, right? Yes. The six of them were going to spend the night together at this. I'm not sure if that was the plan, but they had to take the boat back. I'm sure all of okay. their vehicles sure. and everything were there. That makes sense. Where they got on the boat. So... When they're um, going through Archer's Creek, they hit the dolphin that you were talking about, which is right in front of the bridge. They hit that uh, going 29 miles an hour. Now, that doesn't sound fast, especially if you're used to driving a vehicle. But if you've ever been in a boat that's that's going 29 miles an hour. Katie, that's pretty fast on a boat. You think about if you were going 29 miles an hour on a boat and you hit something. I mean, just that's not going to move. No. I mean... Bam, it actually, when they hit 
the the boat when the boat hit that there was a six foot gash towards the back of the boat the boat actually came apart in places yes and it threw several of the passengers onto the floor of the boat and it it threw out paul anthony and mallory now paul and anthony were able to swim to the shoreline and get get onto the shore. They didn't hit anything while they were flying through the air, I'm no. guessing. Mallory cannot be found at this time. Mm-hmm. They're they're yelling, they're screaming, trying to find Mallory. And the nine one one call was released where um Connor calls nine one one. And Connor sounds very calm in this nine one one call. Um but what we later learn is his jaw is broken. Oh, yeah. So he's carefully trying to speak to let them know. Yeah, I'm sure he would have rather happened. screamed at that point, but he couldn't. Yes. And he keeps saying, We're on a boat. We were in, yeah. in, in Archer's we're in a boat Creek. Crash. We hit the bro- in a boat crash. Yeah. And the, the 911 op- operator is has trouble hearing them at first and that's then finally hard, figures out. That's a hard call to listen to. And they were very hard to find because there's there's fog. There's uh, They first um, sent the first responders to the wrong place. They're, they're a little bit confused as to their location. But another thing that the people in the boat are going to tell investigators is that um, when they're talking about Paul's actions and and his behavior that night they're gonna they're gonna talk about timmy being out now paul murdoch has an alter ego when he drinks and he was given this alter ego when he was about 16 years old when he got really really drunk one night and timmy came out and timmy this alter ego timmy gets very destructive He's belligerent. He's, you know, very angry, very agitated. And he'll, he'll, he has these weird movements where he stretches his arms way out, both of them, and he spreads his fingers out really, really far, and his eyes get really big. And he's just belligerent. Probably started out as a joke amongst his friends. His friends did coin it, and yeah. then, but he, he becomes very destructive. And so Timmy was out that night. It's what they, they can be heard saying in their interviews with investigators. And mm-hmm. they, can, they talk about how he behaves, and that's when he's doing donuts, and he's driving just all over the place, and, and then... And physically assaulting his girlfriend. Uh, physically assaulting his girlfriend, and then yelling at anybody else that's telling him he doesn't need to be driving and saying things like, this is my effing boat. I'm going to drive it. You know, if anybody's driving this boat, it's going to be me. All of this testimony is told by the people who were in the boat and who who survived and who were interviewed by investigators. And on the scene at the shoreline, Anthony Cook tells the officer that he's sitting with that Paul was driving the boat. And that is correct. you can watch all of this footage, this dash cam footage, just a quick Google will get you these videos and you can you can see where Anthony is sitting in the in the police car with the officer and the officers, you know, trying to keep him calm and he's like, you know, everything's gonna be okay. Paul Murdoch comes by wearing only his boxers. 
at the, at some point in time before the crash, he's taken off every bit of his clothes except his boxers. And this is February. Yeah, it was 59 degrees that night, and they were going 29 miles an hour. That's cold, people. Yes. And I think so, that was another Timmy characteristic. I think Timmy yes. took his Timmy, clothes off. Timmy takes his clothes off. So mm. there we go. And so he comes walking by, and you can see he's clearly in his boxer shorts, and Anthony Cook goes nuts he starts yelling and screaming at paul and he says that mfr deserves to rot in jail and he he's screaming apparently paul smiles at him and he kind of does you can see it in the video and anthony starts yelling at him and he's like this is not funny you know i'm kind of paraphrasing but he just starts yelling at him and, and he says my girlfriend is gone and you think this is funny. Right. So at this point in time, it's sort of, it's been 30 minutes and it's starting to register with Anthony. Yeah. We have not found Mallory and it's been 30 minutes. Yeah. There's a part of the call where are the, uh, I think it's the dash cam footage or it's the audio. Really. It's not even a video that you can see, or at least I didn't see it. I heard it, but he says at one point when he starts to realize what's going on or what has happened, the deputy who is, kind of keeping an eye on him says something to him and he says, wait, do you mean to tell me that she's laying in the bottom of the river? It's like, dang, she's been gone for 30 minutes. We're probably not going to find her alive. No. And they're, you know, they're, they're trying to find her. The, the, the rescue, the first responders are there. They're doing everything that they can. They're trying. And Paul, you've got Anthony, Connor, you got Miley, and uh, Morgan, and they're all crying, and they're upset, and they're worried about Mallory, and they're you know huddled and they're together, screaming Mallory's name they're into screaming, the night. Yes, they're screaming, trying to get. You can hear that; it's so eerie too Ugh. on the nine one one call. You yeah. can hear them screaming for her, and um, Paul's walking around trying to get a phone because he keeps saying he's got to call his granddad. Yeah. I got to call my granddad. I got to call my granddad. And he, you can hear an exchange he has with an officer where he asks the officer, can I borrow your phone? And you can tell by the way he's talking that he is wasted. Mm -hmm. And the officer even says, you dropped your phone back there. You have a phone. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, I dropped my phone and then he, you can see where he's saying, go back over there and get in. He's like, Oh, I'm not surprised. But the way he's, I mean, he's slurring his words. He's, you know, he's worried about calling his granddad. Now, remember when we gave you the history of the Murdoch's granddad is Randolph the third, who uh, recently was a solicitor there. You know, remember we told you a Murdoch was a solicitor, which is, South Carolina's version of a district attorney. And he was, a Murdoch was there since it was created all the way to 2006. Now, this is 2019, but the individual who is the current solicitor is uh, what I have heard in interviews and other podcasts as a Murdoch ally. He's very Murdoch friendly. I think Alec Murdoch was a volunteer solicitor for the elected solicitor like or a, a volunteer prosecutor yes if they needed somebody to step in and prosecute a case this yes i'm sure he got compensated and for he that. was still in that role at this time in 2019 mm -hmm. alec murdoch was so um so he's wanting to call randolph the third and so um 
eventually everyone, with the exception of Mallory, Mallory is still missing. Everybody um, gets to the hospital. And we get to the hospital and the, um, the staff, of course, they go, each individual's assigned to their own room there at the hospital. They are um, at the Beaufort County Hospital. Um, and they're getting examined by the nurses and the doctors there. And some have serious injuries and, and some even require surgery. Some do not have serious injuries. Paul Murdoch is one of those who does not have a serious injury. However, in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, they had to strap him down. He's belligerent at this time. And he is, um, the nurse reported, Paul's nurse reported that he was, quote, grossly intoxicated and belligerent. Now, the hospital staff, because of Paul's behavior, they're going to do a blood test on him. They're going to do an alcohol level test on him because they can't decide if he's acting this way because he's so drunk or if he has a head injury. Or if he's just a terrible person. They're they're trying to figure out, well, they're thinking... They think head injury. Head injury point. because he's so yeah. belligerent. And so they do an alcohol test. This is two hours after the accident. And according to WRDW... His alcohol level was 0.286. That's like three and a half times drunk in anywhere in the United States. 0.08 will get you yes. behind bars. And this is two hours after the accident. Yikes. Now, what's interesting to note, this is the first time he was tested. He was not tested on the scene. All of that law enforcement around there, him walking around in his boxer shorts, slurring and stumbling, talking directly to officers, and no one has done an alcohol test on this guy. And Anthony Cook, and I know at least one other of the individuals there at the scene has said he was driving the boat. Mm-hmm. They, there's no question at that moment who was driving the boat. Where the responsibility lies. Right, right. Well, he wasn't even asked to do a field sobriety test. Like, no. Because, you know, you can refuse one. But he wasn't even, one was never even requested of him. I saw one report where Connor was actually, yeah. uh, they asked him to do one and he refused. Right. So he at least knew enough to refuse it. Mm-hmm. But he probably said, I wasn't driving the boat. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but. I don't hey, know you yet. take one, officer. Uh, I re- He refused it. Yeah. I don't know the dialogue exchange, but w- there was a report that he was asked to do one and he refused. Yeah, the report I saw said that one officer stated that he told another officer to administer a test on both uh, Paul and Connor, and he only asked Connor and Connor refused. And then that same officer says, no, if I was asked to have done a test, I would have done it on whoever I was asked to do it on. So it's a bunch of back and forth about that. A bunch that. of back and forth. So... Enter Alec Murdoch and Randolph III to the hospital. So Grandpa has arrived. Grandpa and, and dad, dad has arrived. Okay. And they immediately go into uh, Paul's room and they say, sh- do not talk to anybody. Lawyer mode. Do not talk to anybody. Then Alec Murdoch was, the staff of the hospital reported that they were having to keep him out of the other 
kids' rooms. He was trying to get in to the rooms of the other teenagers to tell them not to talk. We'll get you a lawyer. Don't talk. Don't say anything about who's driving. Everybody be quiet. And Katie, do you want to tell us what he does to Connor as far as how he's telling Connor uh, about how to be quiet and I'll get you a lawyer and all of this? Yes, he goes into Connor's room. Like I said, like Kelly said, he's tr- he's trying to go in everyone's room. Like when Morgan's being interviewed by the police, he he literally just walks in and has to be escorted out of her room. Mm-hmm. And he goes in Connor's room and he tells Connor, you know, you don't tell anybody who was driving. You know, we don't. You know, there's been a lot of things said tonight, and it's best if you keep your mouth shut because it's gonna it's gonna look bad on you too. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you a lawyer. We're gonna get you a lawyer that's gonna help you. Would anybody like to guess who that mm-hmm. lawyer was that he suggested for Connor Cook? Was it Corey Fleming? Ding ding ding. Mm-hmm. Was it really? Ding, that was a stone cold guess. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. it was Corey Fleming. Wow. Remember, if you don't know who Corey Fleming is, you need to listen to our previous episode. Mm-hmm. And Stop we'll, now. Go back. We'll be right here. Yeah, we'll wait for you. <laughs> so it will get you all introduced to, to Corey Fleming. So he's trying to, he, he's actually approaching Connor as Connor is being rolled in a wheelchair in to get an x-ray on his jaw. Remember I said his jaw is... Right, dislocated, yeah. and he he bashed into something in the boat when the when the boat struck. Yes, because the, he the ended abutment. up being in the floor of the boat. So he's trying to stop them, and they're having to say, "Sir, you've got to get out of the way. We're we're taking this patient to have X rays and ultimately surgery." You know, right? <laughs> Move. Yeah. So this is at this point, Paul's not able to be interviewed by anybody because. Um, granddad and dad are there. Which, Katie, how common is this? If you if you call your lawyer, oh yeah, no, they're going to come in and tell you to be quiet. I wouldn't what? want my kid talking to law enforcement if right. like without me there. Like that's, absolutely, not. I don't think that that's sketchy. I mean, it's sketchy because of who they are. But now they got to Connor. I mean, they got to Paul before Alec and uh, Granddad got there. Like they, um, law enforcement got to speak to him for a minute. And what did he say? He said he, he, they asked him if he was driving. He said, I was not driving. And then he says, what does it matter who was driving? What if, what if I had been driving? What does it matter? Oh. Well, that seems like a hole in his whole theory that, mm-hmm. I mean, that I, I can answer that. Yes. And in some of the depositions, and, and guys, you guys tell me if I, if I get this wrong. In Connor's deposition, he is the one who overhears Alex saying, she's gone, don't worry about her. Yes. I heard that at some point. He made those statements right. in the hospital. Uh, to, on the phone, I think. On the he phone was on the to phone someone, with someone. And he says, she's gone, don't worry about her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So just, I mean, if you needed to know, if you haven't yet figured out that we're dealing with a, a family that we think may be inhabited by at least one cold-hearted snake, uh, that may be the one thing that could push you to the other side of the fence if you're not already there, because that seems mm-hmm. that seems pretty shitty. Exactly. Um, now, Dr. Mark Mercer confirmed to investigators that Paul was the most intoxicated and least cooperative of anyone of the group there. And after looking at the boat... There were 49 bottles and cans of alcohol on board, 
27 were empty. And that's, you got to figure that's not all of the, I mean, we could go back and do the math and look at that video footage from the Parker's convenience store. And there was White Claw, there was uh, Michelob Ultra, and there was Natural Light. Or, I forget exactly what the three different containers, the mm-hmm. cardboard containers of alcohol that, that Paul set up on the counter. But mm-hmm. you got there's 12, 20, there had to be at least 30 or 40 in there. Mm-hmm. And so they got some more from somewhere else. Maybe someone, the boat was already full of beer. No, someone else with the group was able to buy. I mean, I don't, I don't know who it was, but okay. I understand that that more than just Paul had a fake ID. Got it. Well, and they took those shots at the bar. And if you've ever, you know, taken two shots very quickly back to back, I mean that that can really go to your head. And for him to still have that blood alcohol level that many hours after the crash. After he's been through a trauma, I mean, he's still acting like this. A lot of, I mean, you're thrown into ice cold water in the middle of the night and you've got a friend missing. That sobers you up pretty quick. Mm. Yeah. And for him to still be as belligerent as he was tells you how belligerent he, I mean, how drunk he had to have been. And what Mm -hmm. that, what that boat ride might have been like for anybody who was on it. If he was, you know, donuts and arguing. It's awful to think about how terrified that they were. But if you go and you watch the 2020, um, you can find it on Hulu. 2020 did an episode devoted to the Murdochs. It's uh, season 44, episode 11. I watched it again today. And you see the interviews with these kids. You know that they were terrified on this boat. Um, and at one point in time, Anthony, um, Mallory was so scared and Anthony was too, that he told Paul, look, you, you won't let me drive Just stop the boat and we'll get off. Mm-hmm. They just asked to just get off the boat and he would not stop what he was doing. So it was, it was very bad. And, and the fact that his alcohol level was, was 0.28 is very telling, especially, you know, two hours after the crash. So as we talked about, you know, Alec Murdoch's behavior attracted a lot of attention after the crash and the way that he was, you know, moving about the hospital and trying to get everybody to be quiet. And and let me ask your, your guys' opinion about this. It seems to me if there was any sort of a hole in Alec Murdoch's theory about how to get my son out of this thing that he might have gotten himself into, it seems like walking into a crowded hospital and elbowing your way elbowing your way around the hallways leaves a trail of evidence. Uh, evidence is the wrong word. A trail they're, of suspicion. What they're trying to do is they're trying oh, to... Oh, I know what they're trying to do, this, but well, this they're comes, doing it in front of doctors and nurses and other people who don't give a shit about your legal situation. They're just trying to help these kids and get them fixed and, hey, get mm-hmm. the hell out of the way, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and, true. And they heard everything they said and they told everybody everything that they heard him say. Yep, and he they're trying to make the waters more murky, so to speak. They're Mm -hmm. trying to cause confusion about who was actually driving when the crash happened. And, and part of that, as you remember when I told you previously, Paul would be driving and he would be, you know, pushing the gas and then he would let off and he would step away from the wheel and Connor would grab the wheel. Yeah. Apparently that turned into an excuse. It did. And that turned the Murdoch family that turned into, well, we don't know who actually Mm -hmm. had a hold of the wheel when this crash happened because both of them were, you know, and so what they do is, uh, allegedly is they get, get Connor hooked up with Corey Fleming, who is then going to, you know, make sure that Connor is quiet 
And then they're going to continue that confusion. And then it dawns on Connor and his family after a certain amount of time that they're trying to set him up. They're getting him to be quiet. And then they're changing the narrative. Yeah, this they're not character. being quiet. Yeah, they're they're changing the narrative, and they're trying to turn it around on Connor. And that's when Connor fires Corey Fleming. And actually, does he still have a lawsuit against Corey Fleming today? He's, yeah, he has a civil suit um, active as of now um, because of ta- uh, it, this tampering with or this alleged tampering with the investigation. Mm-hmm. And there are apparently, there's apparently evidence missing, some obstruction of justice happening. They never get Paul's phone. They never, they, they get a search warrant for Mallory's phone, Mallory's Apple Watch. Um, they never get Paul's phone. He's never uh, given a field sobriety test. Well, there's some discrepancies in the police reports that get filed after they all climb in up one, onto the bank. Yes. In one because police you, report, um, they, well, they write, they don't know who was driving. Yes. When it that's is where very, I'm going with that. It's very clear from the dash cam footage that the people who survived the crash say Paul was driving. Right. When we hit. And certainly was bridge. responsible for the, for the dangerous way that that boat was being operated in the 30 or 45 minutes, whatever you said, it was one thirty and then two ten when the it crash was happened. One fifteen and then the crash, the, the 911 call came in about two twenty. Okay. So figure at least an hour. It took them a little time to climb up or, you know, to get out and get acclimated. And I guess I still don't know why some of those phones worked. Maybe I just have an old model of iPhone because if I even lay mine on the counter beside the sink, it doesn't work for a day and a half. Well, and Connor's the one who called, so he right. he actually was never thrown into okay, the that's, water. Okay, then there you go. Okay, that's mm-hmm. it. But anyway, there's just some discrepancies about those uh, the statements that you can hear on the audio from that dash cam footage. Yes, that just does not jive with what some of those officers turned in later as their official reports. And I'm sure, look, a lot of confusion, people running everywhere. Maybe you don't remember every single word that was said, but you had the dash cam. Well, footage. in fact, the officer Would that... Would you go back and listen um, to that? Yeah, the, the officer that was that had Anthony Cook in his vehicle and who said, Anthony told me that Paul was driving the boat, he was fired. Right. Not long after that. No. Yeah, for a alleged drug use, that alleged was... Alleged drug use. Never proven. Never, never prosecuted. Mm-mm-mm. They just no, said they, sorry. They dropped it. Yeah, yeah, they dropped it. They just got him. If you believe in conspiracy theories, and I'm not saying that I don't, but if you believe in them, and you have been hanging out with this Murdoch thing for a while, like we have, it starts to sound like something nefarious was happening there. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there have been three law enforcement officers called into question because there was yeah there was fourth scene. There's a Austin Pritcher, Michael Brocks, Stephen Domino, and John Keener. And Stephen Domino is the one who has been fired. Yes. Because he is the one who said, mm-hmm. Anthony said Paul was driving the boat. Yes, because they were, Anthony and, was in the car with Austin Pritcher when they had that full long conversation. And it was Stephen Domino's car with mm-hmm. the dash cam footage that okay. you famously see in this case. And so he was like, yeah, I, 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 he told it to me. He does say it. I've heard it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, but he had also, he said he said it directly to me and then. Here he is saying it again to Pritcher. But mm-hmm. yeah. That didn't make it into the uh, evidence locker Mm-mm. somehow, some way. Nope. Now, Mallory Beach's body was recovered on March the 3rd, 2019, 
eight days after this crash. Uh, she was found five miles from the crash, and I believe um, her death was actually ruled, it was blunt force trauma to the head. Right, which means it knocked her unconscious and she drowned. Yes, mm-hmm. because she, she could not, she was out. Right. And so I believe there were some fishermen who found her. Two near, men. Near a marsh, uh, like I said, about five miles from the crash. And so uh, the death of Mallory Beach is what started the investigations into the Murdoch family. And that's why this is episode three instead of episode one, because normally, like we've talked about, this is generally the first episode in the Murdoch family uh, tragedy, but we approach it from a different angle because the, the first two episodes of our podcast about this, nobody knew about this, about those, or, oh. or at least made any sort of connection until this episode happened uh, at that bridge. And then investigators started looking into starts to all starts to unravel and looking into the Murdoch family, looking into all of these past events. They, they, um, that's when you start hearing the names Stephen Smith, Gloria Satterfield, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. It starts with Mallory Beach. And so I'm going to turn it over to Katie here to give us more on the uh, the court and trial and all of those things that come, obviously, after all of this chaos. She's our legal expert. Who else would do it? <laughs> well, it takes two whole months before any charges are ever brought against anyone in this case. And Paul Murdoch is finally indicted on felony BUI charges. BUI is boating under the influence, for those who don't know. He is never booked or jailed in this incident. When a formal mugshot of his was requested, the picture that was sent is a photo of him in a dress shirt standing in a courthouse hallway taken on an iPhone. That's, that's highly unusual, isn't it? it? It's it is highly unusual. Yeah. Yeah. When I see uh, a mediocre journalist that I am, when I check out the local arrest files here in Cherokee County, generally they're wearing like a green and white striped shirt that you wouldn't want to wear anywhere else. That or the or an orange suit. Yeah. Well, yeah. they're standing in a jail. Yeah, for one. Yeah, and there's a there's a height uh, bar mm-hmm. behind you, and a, yes. you know it, it's gray cinder blocks. It just looks like jail because that's where it is. And they're holding the the yeah. board that yeah. has the letter board with your uh, with your number on it. Mm-hmm. None of this for Paul Murdoch. No, and he is ordered in this indictment trial to stay within a five county radius of the county that they're in. Later on, his attorneys they think this is too much, and they want this restriction taken away. Wow, so five counties is too confined. Too confined. They want him to be in the whole state. Oh, so he can just move about the entire state. They also, he's also not ordered to wear an alcohol monitor, which is not a Pretty standard. Yes. After this. Yeah. Yeah. No alcohol monitor is required on Paul Murdoch. And, like I said, he's just ordered to stay within his five county radius. Those restrictions stay put. But, not too long after this, all the charges against Paul are dropped. Dropped? They're all formally dropped against Paul Murdoch. And these charges are dropped because on June 7th, 2021, Maggie Murdoch and Paul Murdoch are found shot to death in their Moselle home. And ladies and gentlemen... We have one more week on the Murdochs. 
And Wait we a minute. Will, Are yeah. you cliffhanging me right now? Yep, that's it. They were found... Uh, I'd rather be Cliff Clavin than Cliff Hung. Well, they are They are found murdered. Alec calls 911 on June the 7th, 2021. We'll get all into that next week. Um, yeah, charges are dropped because you can... You cannot have criminal charges against a person who is no longer alive. Now that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, um, if you don't hate cliffhangers, uh, go to your spot, uh, your streaming platform of <laughs> choice and give us a five-star review. If you don't like them, then we don't want to hear about it. Don't forget to check out our new website. It's uh, truecrimeoneasystreet.com. We've got cards reminding you about our new podcast scattered all around the Southeast. We'll get into that next week. And uh, mm-hmm. whatever, and what, do you, what else you guys want to talk about? Nothing. Just uh, hang with us for one more week of Murdoch May, and then uh, we'll... What are we going to do after that? Can I tell? Uh, No, you cannot. I knew you weren't going to let me tell it. (laughs) All right, guys. uh, Thanks for listening again. We'll be back next week. Good night, everybody.